When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On SENSA, welcome to the Sandful Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League. Jared Walsh and Dan Menzel back in SENSA studio. Lumo here, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Men's, it is cold, it is wet, it is wintry, and it's the perfect time to go and support local footy. But finally, the split round is over. We can start focusing on another big round to make up the second half of the season. How are you going on this Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, I'm well, Walshy. I, uh, I got down to Flinders University Stadium uh, on the weekend for SENSA and called the the game South Adelaide taking on Adelaide and we'll have Jared Wright on the show and we'll yep. have a chat with him and it was five degrees down there. It was freezing. I've got more questions about that to throw at you very soon too, because I was following the game, listening to you and having a look on the app. So we'll get to that as we get through that. But um, it's uh, been a great day for South Australian football too. Obviously last night with the uh, Australian Football Hall of Fame with some former Sandful greats as well um, being elevated, which is absolutely awesome. I, I like this time of the year because we get to reflect and have a look at people who have contributed to South Australian football, but also um, big around the country as well. Yeah, it is. It's a great night and uh, plenty of names that are inducted last night. I was fortunate to play with Corey Enright and Jimmy Bartell, who were rightfully inducted. Uh, Corey Enright, obviously a South Australian boy and uh, incredible careers as well. And I think it just reminds you when these nights come about how good these players actually were. You see the stats, you see the highlights, and you think, wow, these guys are actually – you probably take it for granted at the time when you're playing with them but absolute genuine superstars of the game. Also, uh, we speak of South Australians as Mark Williams, uh, Norwood champion Michael Aish, the man dubs SA's greatest ruckman in, in Tom Lay. I wanted to ask you about Corey Enright because he played in an era and he had representation, I think, as a junior in Port Adelaide. Um, so for him, he was playing alongside the likes of James Bartell and Gary Ablett Jr., where those names probably overshadowed how talented he was. But even speaking to Mark Bickley this morning, um, he is so highly respected across the country for what he's been able to do. I kind of compare him to kind of like that Nigel Lappin when he was playing yep. alongside um, Jason Ackermanis and Simon Black too. It's a great call. Michael Voss is the other yeah. one that he played with. It's a great call because... Uh, he definitely externally at the time was underrated. He was still rated highly, but the, this probably explains how good he was. Geelong won the premierships in 2007, 2009, and 2011. He won the best and fairest in two of those seasons. Mm. So to win the best and fairest in a premiership year is as good as it gets. It's, it's better than winning the Norm Smith medal pretty much because it just shows over the duration of the season, you were the best player and the main contributor Matty Scala actually said uh, there's a little clip going around of him saying that he's the best player he's ever played with. Yeah. And he's played it's with a big call. all of those likes. It's a huge call. They are close mates, but it just shows how good he was. He read the game as well as anyone across halfback. I remember doing match team at training, and if, if you kicked the ball long or you didn't use it well, and uh, Boris, his nickname is, it was on the other team, he'd intercept it every single time. What was it like to be part of that 
Geelong setup. Um, we've mentioned Corey Enright, but then James Bartell. Um, it would have been really hard to break into that side, even if you were fully fit a lot of the time anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when I first got to the club, uh, the names were incredible. Cameron Ling was the skipper. Cam Mooney was there. Paul Chapman was playing. Stevie Johnson. And then you go to the midfield. Joel Corey was a star. He was in there. James Kelly. Gary Ablett, Jimmy Bartell, I'm going to miss names. And then you go to the back line with Scarlett and Enright and um, and then other guys that went through there, Andrew Mackey, South Australian. So it, uh, it was one of those pinch me moments when you look around and you go, how good are these guys that I'm actually one training with and then playing with? And uh, it will go down without a doubt as one of the best teams of all time, that four or five year um, team that won between 2007 and 2011. I haven't even said Joel Selwood in all of that. Well, I was going to mention Joel Selwood because we've seen him hanging around the Australian cricket team. He's over at Lords at the moment and that starts tonight. You can listen um, on SENSA. What sort of IP and intel will he bring to the Australian cricket team? I mean, his leadership skills speak for themselves, but um, he's been working alongside the Melbourne Storm in the NRL. So what can you tell us about Joel Selwood and what he can offer the Australian cricket team? It's an interesting one. I'm not sure that uh, when we were in the change rooms, his uh, change room cricket wasn't the best. So uh, <laughs> I don't think it'll be cricket expertise. It's just Joel's uh, attention to detail. His um, will to win is as good as I've ever seen. And I think it will be those sort of parts, those little things that will be, okay, why don't, why don't you try it this way? Or how about this? Maybe this will work. Um, he's just yeah, ultimate leader in terms of that and someone you want to play for. And I just think he drives the professionalism and the standards as well as anyone. Joel, when I was at the club, would almost every single day on his off day be in there doing extras. And that was when he was seven, eight, nine years into the, into his career. What are um, extras? When you say extras, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so he'd go in and he might be doing 500 touches of the footy on his day off. He might be doing 100 touches off the rebounder where he'd read it off of a rebounder, which is effectively off Tap Ruckman's. He would, yeah, he'd just keep honing in on his craft and, and it's why he was a one-touch player. Is why he was so good around a contest. Okay, so um, the Geelong setup was fantastic. We can see uh, the setup in the Sandfall, which we love because nothing beats the Host Plus Sandfall League of Glenelg and St- Dirt being equally as fantastic. Um, a couple of teams have had a bit of a breather because of the split round. I reckon we should review a couple of games that have been completed. Writing your performance review, it says more about me than you. It's morally defeating and often misleading, but this is the best we can do. So here we go. Now, Menz, I need to ask you this question because I was having a look over the weekend, as I said, and you were at Flinders University Stadium. Was there a breeze where the goals were being kicked? Because having a look at the way that this game happened between South Adelaide and Adelaide, it was fascinating. So in the first quarter, it was 7-3 to 0-1. In the second quarter, the Crows kicked two behinds and then South kicked a goal. In the third quarter, the Crows kicked four to uh, to uh, South kicking one and then South kicked more than the Crows in the last. Could, can you just explain the whole dynamics of this game on the weekend, please? Yeah, it, uh, it was very breezy down there. Called it live and said it's probably a four-goal breeze. Which, well, there you go. Which is a big breeze in footy. And uh, so Kieran Sharon won the toss. We, we mentioned at the time and said, you certainly kick with it, don't you? He won the toss. He kicked with it. We said, all right, if South can be within four at quarter time, I think they'll be happy with this breeze that they're kicking into. Because when you brought the ball out of the back line, it went out in the fall. The breeze was so strong, it'd blow it out. So it was so hard to get the ball out of their defensive 50. And 
Uh, in the first quarter alone, the inside 50 stats were 22 to 2. So wow. it was um, an absolute uh, domination by Adelaide. They kicked seven goals in the first quarter, which was ultra impressive. It took the game away from South Adelaide. And as you mentioned, they were really good in the second term, Adelaide. South did not use the breeze well at all and didn't get himself back into the game. But the last two quarters, the team kicking with it uh, won the quarter by four goals effectively. So it, it showed and proved to be true. And it made a real difference on the game in the end. Who did you learn more about? Did you learn Adelaide and the ability to play away from home? It was this time last week you were talking about the different surfaces and the weekend was rainy once again after we've had um, the most rain in Adelaide for, I think, 35 years in 2023. So um, it would have been quite uh, miserable down there. Or did you learn about South Adelaide that they're not even a chance to compete for finals this year? That's a really interesting question. Uh, Without jumping ahead to what I did like, there was a few things uh, across the weekend that I will mention. But um, South Adelaide, just challenging positions they're putting themselves into. Uh, They, as you mentioned, Adelaide kicked seven goals in the first quarter. They were gone at quarter time. And the same thing happened only a fortnight ago against Norwood as well. So... That was disappointing that they their best footy is pretty good, but they're just so patchy at the moment. We saw the Bays get the job done over West Adelaide to um, 86 to 49 to wrap up that split round. We'll do a full match preview and your power rankings at the end of the show. Also not too far away. We're going to be speaking to Glenelg recruit James Bell. Let's find out what you liked from the weekend, Dan Menzel. <laughs> So what I liked was that the two teams from the weekend up the top of the table in the Crows and Glenelg, uh, in extremely challenging conditions, they showed their class. Glenelg and Adelaide are number one and number two in both offense and defense and are the two best teams in the comp at the moment. I know that Sturt is in second and Adelaide's in third, but what I learned uh, at Flinders University Stadium was in extremely challenging conditions, Adelaide's ball use uh, and ball movement was ultra impressive. It's like they were playing in dry conditions. And so that I thought maybe in wet conditions, difficult conditions, that's when you can get the Crows. Well, they showed on the weekend they can play all sorts of conditions and they they spread so well their midfield on the South Adelaide midfielders. And I just thought that them and Glenelg, what they did in really difficult conditions was so impressive. They've had two big wins at Adelaide Oval this year as well, Adelaide, as curtain raises to the AFL matches. Do you think once finals comes around, that is going to prove an advantage for them? You know, they don't have home games, so they get home games if they get to play at Adelaide Oval when the finals happen. Um, If they're lucky enough to hold on to a top five spot, do you think that's going to help them out? It certainly will. It's Their game plan is based on the AFL team and the way the AFL team plays with that excitement, with that pace, because they got such an elite forward line in the AFL team, Tex Walker leading the Coleman. That's how Adelaide plays in the sample as well. So when you get on good decks, on decks that don't have too much mud or rain, they're able to move the ball so well and so efficiency and f- efficiently, and we will see that in the finals uh, at Adelaide Oval. We've spoken about the positives. Let's get into the things you didn't like. So it's one of the closest host plus sample leagues this season we've seen in a long time. Any team can win. But on the weekend, for the first time since I can remember, we didn't actually have a close game. So both West and South Adelaide were down by 40 points at halftime. And although they both finished pretty well, they gave such a head start that it was probably the first weekend where you were watching games live and going, I don't actually know who's going to win this. Mm. There wasn't a close game on the weekend. There was only the two matches, but... uh, 
Yeah, it's normally been such an even competition, and I expect we'll get that back this weekend. But, yeah, a couple of blowouts on the weekend. Well, I'm just having a look at the ladder at the moment, and I, I said this to Bix this morning on breakfast that, Norwood are one win away from jumping off bottom of the ladder, which is just frightening the way that we've been talking about them this year. I mean, they're not just one win away from jumping off the um, bottom of the ladder. I mean, they're two wins away from being equal fifth. (laughs) That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Uh, That's how even this competition is. And again, we talked about it. The top three have kicked away at the moment. And so it means that from fourth to 10th, there is only three games in between that, and the evenness is incredible. So Norwood, off the back of two wins, could easily make finals still this season, which is staggering when they were 0-8. Uh, a team which has had an outstanding 2023 season, and they're just keeping on winning at Stradarama is the Bays, and next we are going to speak to their big recruit, James Bell, on the Sandful Show. Nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. Not too far away, the coach of South Adelaide, Jared Wright, as well, including Daniel Menzer's power rankings. It's the Sandful Show on SENSA. On SENSA, welcome to the Sandful Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. On this Wednesday afternoon, Jared Walsh and Dan Menzel with you. Nothing beats the host plus Sandful League. Very soon we'll be joined by the coach of the Panthers, Jared Wright. But this is a great story. Men's uh, Glenelg started the season with a loss and they said, you know what, we don't like this losing thing. How about we just win from now on? Kind of like when Happy Gilmore said, oh, you just need to put it in the hole. I'll just do that next time. So they've won nine in a row and they are sitting comfortably at the top of the ladder, but not too comfortably because it's a very tight spot at the top of the table with Stu and Adelaide close behind. One of the players who has been responsible for Glenelg's success is their new recruit, James Bell. He joins us right now. Good afternoon to you, James, and welcome to Adelaide. It must be a very happy time at Stradarama at the moment. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a good time at the moment to be around the club, getting a few, few good wins. Billy, great to have you on the sample show, mate. Um, I just want to chat to you and ask you the question about how the opportunity came about to come over here to Glenelg. You're a New South Wales boy, and obviously we're at the Sydney Swans. How'd that come about? Um, well, I actually lived, when I was at Sydney, um, I lived with Will Gould. Um, he's a Glenelg boy as well. And um, when when we wouldn't be playing um, Neeful or VFL at the time or in the ones, we'd be watching the sample and um, I had a good relationship with him and um, Toby Pink as well. You, you know Toby as well yep, yep. when you were at Sydney. Um, and I just said, like, it was just pretty much sold to me then that I wanted to play over there if, you know, if um, AFL didn't work out. Because it looks like a good comp when you watch it on the on the TV and stuff. So, um, yeah, just that, that attraction straight away got me. So speaking of that, how it looks like a good comp, there's a, a lot of former AFL players at Glenelg. So the standards and the transition from Sydney to Glenelg, I imagine it wouldn't be too different? No, not too different at all, eh? Like, um, when I first got here, I was actually surprised at how, like, professional it was, like, just with the yeah. training programs at SNC. Like, it's it's almost identical. It's just the different time training sessions, like, you know, at AFL level, it's all pretty much all throughout the day, and you get massages. But here, you just got work, and then you go straight into it during the week. So there's not much difference at all with it. Did you have any other options, James? We're pretty biased here in South Australia, and we think we've got the best competition outside the AFL. So for yourself, who's over in the AFL setup, and as you said, you're looking at the sandfall on the television. Did you think about going to Victoria or even going over to the Waffle? Um, oh, I did have a think about the VFL, but honestly, because I was there, I was basically playing it for the last 
five years of in and out of the, the VFL in, in one. So I just wanted a fresh start. And you hear about it so many times from people that are from um, Adelaide, but like also my manager, John Meeson, he, he really pushed for the idea to go over there if I want to play some good brand of footy and, you know, mature age bodies. And you always hear about, or you can see now in the drafts when you get mature ages getting picked up, majority of it's from the sample. So for me, I was just, it was a no-brainer. And the thing for you then to see is that so many South Australians get picked up in the mid-season draft, which has just passed. So I'm assuming that a goal of yours is to get redrafted. You're only 24 years of age, so you've got a lot of football ahead of you. Is that one of your focuses, to come over here, play well for the Bays, and hopefully get another AFL opportunity? Yeah, definitely. That was That's the plan. But, um, yeah, I just feel like I've landed at a pretty good team to, to get that opportunity to play some good footy and show them that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get back on a list. So, Billy, just want to ask you about the Swans experience when you're at Sydney. How did you find that for the number of years you were there? Uh, obviously, a really good club with good culture and good standards. Um, your experience at Sydney uh, over the past five seasons? Yeah, no. Well, I obviously, kind of. Well, I'm from Wollongong, which is south of Sydney, so I loved loved being um, close to home. And you know, yeah, like you said, you know, the culture is pretty strong there, and they love love relating everything back to the history of the club. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a challenge, challenging for me to try to stay in the team. I just felt like I was on the fringe the whole time and opportunity was very limited, but you know, if I just got to grab it with both hands and sometimes I didn't, sometimes I didn't, but just the way it was though. No, exactly that. And, uh, you played the 28 games, so you have shown that if you can get that opportunity again, then you can certainly perform at the level. Uh, Glenelg as a, as a town, I guess, how have you found that the lifestyle down there? Down at the bay. Oh, I love, I love Glenelg. I love Glenelg. Um, it's got a bit of, um, yeah, Coogee vibes yes. from back in the east over there. <laughs> um, so, nah, it's good. Love, love being near the water. Um, and, yeah, just I love love the area. I just love – it's not too crowded as what Sydney was. So you can actually get around – Enough to pay for parking everywhere you go. Which is good. <laughs> we, we take that for granted yep. as well. Um, I want to get back to football in a moment, but I want to go to your childhood because um, reading up on you, it said you, you, you grew up playing a different version of football and that was the round ball game and linked to the Western Sydney Wanderers for a number of years. So were, were you taking your soccer pretty seriously at that point and was there a chance for you to actually decide to pursue that and potentially go down an A-league path? Well, yeah, because I think soccer, you got to start really young with, with how professional that is and... Um, yeah, I was going pretty well at soccer. Um, I think I got to about, I was playing under 15s and I was, they had the Western Sydney Wanderers on the 20s side at the time and I was playing, I played a few games in that, so I was going all right. And that led you to an opportunity to then having to make a decision whether you wanted to focus on football or soccer? Yeah, so I got, got an opportunity to play two games in that and because uh, I was playing like state state level in New South Wales uh, soccer and that, but then when I got to 15, 16, um, the Swans Academy actually offered me a I got some scholarship award from the Swans. So then when I got that, I was just like, oh well, now I have to decide. And then I went to a training session for soccer one time, and I um I just broke down and cried and said I just I don't want to do this anymore. I want to play footy, and it was just I haven't not looked back since. 
And that's a, that's a really courageous thing to do and be able to do that. And then surround yourself at the Sydney Swans. Um, you know, we, we've heard and it's been highly publicised that um, your ability to connect with players like Adam Goods, but the connection that the Swans have had back to Indigenous Australians is absolutely incredible. And that must make you really proud to look back and on your time to be around so many influential Indigenous Australians. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, like just last year with the Indigenous Guernseys, for the Swans, like they had, um, they represented every player that's every Indigenous player that's played for the club, and you know it's, it was pretty pretty proud moment for me to wear that and know that I'm getting represented on that that Guernsey as well. So speaking of proud moments, the sample has the First Nations round to be held across the next two weekends, rounds eleven and round twelve. So be a pretty special couple of weeks for yourself at Glenelg, uh, the Indigenous Guernsey, uh, the experiences for you mate over the next couple of weeks. Oh yeah, I love 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 this round, and and I love how much more people are getting around it as well, embracing the round, and yeah, it'll be good to see how many people get down there and support it as well. So, Billy, nine wins on the trot for Glenelg. Uh, how how is it in terms of the review? Surely Reeves just putting it on repeat every week and just do the same things. How do you stay up um, for so many weeks and continue just rolling out win after win? I was, I was literally talking about this last night. I was, I was just thinking, like, no one, no one's feeling any complacency at all. Like, um, Reavers made it pretty clear that um, no one's, no one's safe in their positions. Like, it's everyone's got to perform to keep their spot. And at the same time, we're all, we're all having fun doing it because, like, the team's success at the moment is just like that's the, our main priority. It doesn't matter anyone's performance as long as we get the win. And we have fun working hard for each other. That's that's what's been working for us. It's working hard for each other. And that must be really good on the training track. But then you come up a team like Central District who have kind of shocked the competition a little bit because they're sitting in the top five at the moment. But um, this season has shown the evenness that you can't take any team lightly. So in preparation for the match on the 2nd of July at Stradorama, you you prepared for a doggy side that will come out and um, want to get a win? Yeah, um, I've heard that the... Like the last few years, uh, they've been a bit up and down. But I like my mentality is you just can't take anyone lightly. And um, they got a got us in the trial game, and then they jumped us a little bit in the last time we versed them. So I think there's a lot to learn from it. So tonight training, we'll, we'll dissect it a bit and see what we can improve on. Before we let you go, Billy. Speaking of taking a team lightly, uh, with nine wins on the trot, do you think Glenelg would have beaten West Coast on the weekend? We said that. Um, I reckon we would have eight. <laughs> Honestly, I reckon we could have. That's massive. Oh, we, or at least, at least have a bit of fight. A bit of fight in it. Yep, yep. I mean, Glenelg would be going as well as any team while she outside of the AFL at the moment. Uh, it, it is a joke, but in saying that, West Coast not going so well. It might be an interesting matchup. <laughs> it would be a very interesting matchup. Hey, before we let you go, can you briefly tell us this? The one that everyone's talking about at the Sydney Swans is Joel Amati, who who seems like the heir apparent. To Lance Buddy Franklin, um, is the hype legit, or are we just getting sucked into this? Because I like watching this kid play. Men, you you know that boy can grab a mark. He yep. is, yeah, he can. He's the real deal. He, yeah, he is. It's a good point. He's come on in leaps and bounds. Yeah. When I was there, and Belly's been there um, more late or later than I have. Joel had things, but he certainly wasn't at that level. And you wondered if he'd get there. And he still, Belly would say this, he was still very much a kid. Joel was very immature. And oh. his, his body <laughs> was like that too. Yeah, Belly, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, he was just lax daisy, wasn't he? Yes. He was just 
But I think I think the last two years he's really understood, and I think a few rev ups has has put him instead where he's just like. No, I want to be the most dominant forward in the comp now. And oh, it's and going guy, to show. He, he started showing that in gather round against Richmond, I think, and yep. he did his hammy. Yes. And he was, but at that point, I'm thinking, who is this kid? Yeah. And he's going to he's going to tear the competition apart. So that is great to hear. Just before we let you go, what was Dan Menzel like as a teammate? Um, no, he's good. He he actually helped me get my first game. I'll give him that. And um, yes. you you played when I got my first goal in you, man. Yes, I did, Belly. Yes, yes, I think he wanted the first to run over and get around me. Awesome. Um, no, men's was good. Um, we had a few sessions, like a few one-on-ones when it was time to um, get me in the, into the seniors, but um, no, I learned a lot off the big fella. Thanks, Billy. We appreciate uh, appreciate your words, and thanks for joining us on the uh, SEN Sample Show. No. On SENSA, welcome to the Sample Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League. Jared Walsh and Dan Menzel here in Studio Lumo on SENSA on this Wednesday afternoon. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League at Morn Team Kia Oval on Saturday to start off another round, round 11 in the Host Plus Sandful League. It's Woodville West Torrance taking on the South Adelaide Panthers. We are lucky enough to be joined by the coach of the Panthers, Jared Wright. Good afternoon to you, Jared Wright. I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back out there and hopefully getting the points for your club. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, guys. Um, yeah, it's obviously been a bit of a, an inconsistent season, but um, we're a week-to-week prospect and, um, yeah, looking forward to getting out to Woody Oval this week and, um, you know, taking on the Eagles. Boof, it's great to have you on the show. I'm definitely going to go with Boof because I've uh, called Jared Walsh here, Jared Wright, a couple of times so far this year. And that's disrespectful to you, so <laughs> I'm is. sorry about that. Uh, but, um, yeah, you, you mentioned the inconsistency, and I just want to touch on the slow starts of the last couple of games for you. Is, is that an aberration, or is it something that you speak about and you try and put your finger on? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's sort of happening sort of in different stages um, over the course of the season. I mean, at the start of the year, we've starting reasonably well and um, I think against Glenelg and Port we were up at three quarter time and you know had a, a four 15 minutes of footy in the last quarter and against Sturd we were up and then it was third, the third quarter where we had 15 minutes and then obviously the last two weeks it's it's obviously been a little bit more early in the game so it's it's been a bit patchy in, in different areas and it's, it's really hard to put your finger on um, it each week in, week out, but um, it's something that the, the players are aware of and, and certainly the coaches are, and we're, we're working on our preparation midweek, and um, at the end of the day, it's just it's a really strong comp, and there's there's probably six clubs in the same position as us. They're not quite where they want to be at the halfway mark of the year, but there's eight games left, and we've got to get our, got to get our game going. It's a really good point, the evenness of the competition, and uh, you mentioned the inconsistency. One thing that's probably underrated that people probably don't realise is your recruits this year, you recruited really well. However, unfortunately, through injury, we've seen much missed time. Eli Smith, obviously, and Sproul as well. How much has that impacted your group? It certainly dampens the, uh, I guess, the energy from from a week to week level when you when you have you know, some of your your most experienced or senior players out. Um, yeah, um, Sproul is you know, second in the Ken Farmer um, when he hurt his calf and he kicked three to half time against North and and didn't play the second half. So, um, you know, to lose your, your leading goal kicker in the competition for, you know, probably six to seven weeks is certainly hurting some scoring aspects. And, um, you know, Eli Smith, Matty Rose, um, we've got Sammy Skinner, Elliot Duncan out, um, you know, this week as well. So, look, there's 
there's some opportunities for some younger guys to get some some games under their belt, which is certainly a positive. Our, our reserves are performing consistently well this year, which is which is great for the footy club. So, um, yeah, where where one door sort of shuts open, shuts for a few weeks, there's another one that opens for a, for a young opportunity, and we're we're really excited um, to see what they can produce. Jared, does that evenness of the competition that we've spoken about give you some sort of comfort, though? Like, you, you look at the ladder right now, and you're one win out of the top five. So um, you get things right, then the second half of the season could certainly look a lot different. And I feel that that's been different to the past couple of years where we get to halfway through the season, then the top five is basically done. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a different year this year. Um, and and we've, we've essentially, the last five years, have been in that, in that boat at the halfway mark of the year in, in the top three or four. And um, so we're, we're in a bit of a different position this year. And certainly it's, it's, it's new to me as a coach as well um, regarding, um, you know, how to generate that energy midweek and try and get the boys up and about um, to be able to perform at their best. So there's a new challenge in, in every, in every way we look at it. Uh, but the way we, I guess we assessed it on Monday night, um, you know, post Crows game is that we're, you know, basically we've got, you know, the first half of the season's done and, and that's that's finished and, and we've got, you know, our new season starting this year and, and we're zero and one and the seven other clubs that we're fighting for are either zero and one as well or one and zero. So we um we put it into a bit more of a perspective lens and um and that certainly, you know, I guess takes away some of the anxiety of performance pressure that's previously had and um we look forward um to this week's game. You mentioned some of the uh, performances of the reserves who are sitting third at the moment. So who are some of the players that have impressed you? And we, we know that the South Adelaide has a, a great contingent of senior players who have a lot of experience, but some of the younger players that have impressed you? Yeah, no, we've, um, we, we've debuted a, a few young lads this year and, um, and, and some have been playing league footy quite regularly in, in Cam Kirkland. And unfortunately, Luke Mitten... Um, did his AC on the weekend, so he'll be out for a month. Um, you know, there's some really quality, you know, 19-year-olds. We've got, you know, Cooper Rogers' debut a couple of weeks ago. Um, again, a, a 19-year-old from McLarenvale District who's, who's going really well. Um, you know, our, our, our big ruck and Ollie Megan's in the twos is, is performing quite strongly. And um, we've just got a really consistent, even bunch. So um, Nick Kramer, um, you know, Charlie Duncan, we've got some... Some really good kids that are, you know, still finding their way at senior level and have played, you know, anywhere from zero to ten games of league football. But we'll probably see some of the opportunities open up for them, um, you know, in the back half of the year with, with where our injuries are at. So out of those players with the zero to ten games, one player that was in that uh, category last year that I want to ask you about, and you talked about Zach Sproul being the leading goalkeeper going out of the team, is... Joy Menzi, I want to just touch on the AFL briefly. Um, he's had such an incredible start to his Essendon career. Did you forecast this or foreshadow this when he got the opportunity that he could certainly apply himself at that level? Yeah, we, we certainly were. We were. I mean, we had constant communication with, with a few clubs, but mainly Essendon were, were the ones that had probably been um, in our ear for a few years regarding a couple of our small forwards. They were, they were really keen on Bo McCreary and were quite quite shattered that they missed out on Bo um, in the in the draft um, a couple of years ago. Um, so we, we knew that they were looking for one, and um, and I was quite really I was really positive about Jai's, um I guess development and growth that he showed in our in our program over the um, over the six months that he was in it. Um, you know he's he's just a finisher, and that's probably something that small forwards need to do. And, and you know you're quite the same, Dan. With you know, with the opportunities that you get um, in a in a forward role, they they can be 
they can be limited, but you need to maximise them, and, and that's what Jai does. He's he's, he's really quick and, and speedy, um, but when he's inside 30 or inside 40, he he rarely misses, um, and even from you know six to ten kicks, he'll he'll generally finish off and get some scoreboard pressure, and that's what a, a good four does. And he's thriving in in their environment, and he's loving um, yeah, he's loving playing AFL footy at the moment, and he's going really well. He's going really well, and uh, I guess your thoughts, well, uh, both on the um, the SPP, the mid-season draft. You guys have been rocked as, as badly as anyone over the years. With a few years back, Michael Knoll, Hayden McLean, Brooksby, McCreary. You mentioned Jai Menzi. It's great for the players, but it must be a challenge. Oh, it certainly is, and um, uh, you know, the Eagles are going through the, the same thing right at the moment. Um, um, you're losing, you know, Cheetahs and Jack Hayes and, and Zaino last year, and, and now losing Mitchie like it. It does affect where you where you finished. You guys were, were untouched for a few years and had had a really solid squad. And and now the years that we were, you know, getting you know, Paul Hunter was another one that got taken as well. So um, you know, so that it certainly does affect you know your results. But it it does show great signs that your program and, and the coaching program that you're putting in is is developing young men. And and there's certainly um, you know some little wins and positives that you can take out of those seasons when you, you know, we lose two prelims, but we have, you know, I think nine, nine, ten players drafted over those three years. Um, unfortunately, you know, short memories do happen though. And, and our performances at the moment aren't up to speed and, and we need to you know, continue to focus on getting this playing group um, back to their best. I wanted to briefly touch on a bittersweet moment for the club, which was the women's grand final a couple of weekends ago at Prospect. Um, one of the highlights for me is a bit of a strange one, Jared, and that is Brie Cleggett's speech at the end of the game, especially after losing a grand final in such a bizarre circumstances and it happened in the last couple of seconds of the game. But the class that she showed, and I know that um, the coaching staff and a lot of the senior men's team were there as well to watch that. I'm sure that makes you proud as one of the leaders of this football club to see that the captain is taking care of that women's team. Now, Brie, is a, um, she's a class act and, um, you know, she's a... A South Adelaide person through and through, and um, she leads the, the girls tremendously well. And it was a very emotional, I guess, day, you know, for the football club, and, and certainly, um, you know, the, the girls playing in, in that game, and, and the girls that you know were in the development league as well, who who won the grand final too. And um, it was great to, you know, we did a lot of work with that connection um, throughout the programs this year, and especially with the, the men's and the women's team. And um, yeah, we had, I think, there was you know, forty. 46 men's, um, you know, senior squad players there, as well as uh, all of the coaches. And, you know, there was some emotion after the game and some hugs and, um, you know, consoling. But I guess that's that's what footy clubs are all about. And, you know, the girls have had a, a terrific, you know, introduction to the, the Sample W um, competition. Um, and they're really leading the charge in, in, in women's football and, and the growth and development down south. So, um, Bree's a, a terrific person and um, she's a great leader. And, and, you know, I know the girls will bounce back next year last one from us what do you have to do to stop the eagles this weekend obviously quite quite sharp around their midfield they've got a lot of depth with you know with nida and 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 chock and um you know jimmy Rowe, um you know running around so you know they're they're going to be a, a bit of bit to handle through the mids um so that's certainly where the game's generally won or lost you know every week and um we're going to have to um really have our our game going around the contested phase and, and they got the jump on us, I think, round two when we played them early with some uncontested possession and, and once we could sort of close the game down a little bit more, we were able to, to, to lock the ball in our front half. So uh, we always have quality quality games against the Eagles. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly no love lost over the last probably four or five years of our results in prelims, etc. And, um, you know, I know there's a bit of a, 
a close connection there with myself and, and a few of our players that, um, you know, did on the Eagles jersey once before. So I'm sure there'll be a few sparks early, but, um, yeah, really looking forward to, to getting out to Woody Oval on, on Saturday. Boof, all the best on the weekend, and thanks for joining us here on The Sample Show. Thanks for having me, guys. Jared Wright joining us on the Sandful Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League. And uh, it's always challenging to speak when your team's not going too well. But he always does an amazing job of representing that organisation, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And he didn't beat around the bush. He, he said that they're not going as well, even though there is reasons that we mentioned in terms of their injury list and what they've been hit with. But... Um, the comp's so even as well, and they still believe that they can their best footy, which is clearly good enough, can play finals this year. Dan Menzel's power rankings next, and we'll give our tips for the next weekend. On SENSA, welcome to the Sandful Show. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats the Host Plus Sandful League. Gearing up for round 11 of the Host Plus Sandfall League. Nothing beats it. Jared Walsh and Dan Menzel this afternoon on SENSA. Let's hit your power rankings. What do you got for us, Menz? Now, it is a very even competition, but I've made a bit of a big move here in the power rankings. At oh, number no. 10, I have moved South Adelaide down to number 10. Oh, it's good to see you are. Uh, you're telling us now instead of when yep. Jared Wright was on the phone a couple of minutes ago. I waited till that interview was done. Uh, it is it is close and they can change pretty quickly. But through 10 rounds this season, they've played seven of those games at home. Uh, and so you'd expect them to be better than the three and seven win loss record at this point. But the other main reason I've moved them down is the last two games they played, they played against Adelaide on the weekend. They were down seventy seven fourteen at three quarter time, and against Norwood they were down sixty seven to ten at three quarter time. So they've been comprehensively beaten in the last fortnight, which is why I've moved them down. So if if South are on the bottom, that means Norwood aren't. Who's in ninth? Norwood are at nine, and they've finally oh. moved off the bottom, and it took for them not to play a game for the bye to them to move up. Now, they beat South Adelaide in their last game, yeah, and they did it uh, in, in, their la- in the last two games they've had, they've won. Uh, so they did it comprehensively. I've put them ahead of them. So you're saying if Norwood have more buys, they'll move up the yeah, power rank. So just don't play football and you could find yourself at the top of the power rankings. That's how it would seem. Who's sitting eighth at the moment? Well, North Adelaide have also moved up a place without playing as well. This because, is outstanding. Uh, my reasoning for South, which I mentioned, is the reason why they've moved up. Sturt, uh, North played Sturt and they were much better against them. So on, in recent form, I've had to move Norwood and North up. Okay. Who's sitting in seventh then? In seventh position, it's West Adelaide. They came up against a hot Glenelg team on the weekend. They played three decent quarters of footy, but uh, you need to play four against Glenelg. There's a handful of teams that didn't play because of the split round, so let's quickly whip through the top six. Who's sitting in sixth? Yeah, Port Adelaide didn't play. They stay at six. And fifth? Central's the same at five. Okay, and what about fourth? Eagles exactly the same. Okay, the top three fascinates me, though, because um, it is obviously the top three teams on the table at the moment. So who's sitting third? Yeah, I've got these team, this team. They didn't play on the weekend, but they're comfortably at third. It's Sturt. And in second? Adelaide State, number two. They were ultra impressive. Their skills in the wet and their mid-spreading in very tough conditions showed me that they're going to be an elite team regardless of where they play. They are at number two. Okay, so I know who's on top. They're nine wins in a row. You just need to announce it. Who is sitting at the top of your power rankings? No-brainer. It's Glen Elk. Okay, let's go through the tips here. Round 11 of the Host Plus Sandful League. Fierce rivalries. Nothing beats it. So the Eagles and the Panthers, you're obviously going to tip the Eagles. I think that you guys will win as well, especially 
especially at home. Port Adelaide taking on West Adelaide. This is at Alberton on Saturday. I think Port will be strong in the AFL, so therefore their sample team will be strong. They'll win. Stradarata Stadium on Sunday. It is the Bays and the Doggies. Centrals haven't won away from home this year. This is as tough as it gets. Glenelg will win. Oh, ten in a row then. Untenable. They can only use that for Port Adelaide. <laughs> That's all right. Um, for Prospect Oval on Sunday, the 2nd of July, North Adelaide taking on Adelaide. Important game for North, but I think Adelaide's going as well as anyone uh, in the comp other than Glenelg. And Sturt taking on Norwood on Sunday at Wigan Oval. This is the closest game of the round for mine. Uh, I think Sturt, but just. The closest game of the round? Yes. Norwood have won two games. And they're two in a, two in a row, and their recent form is very good. So And Sturt's is a bit patchy. So they lost to Glenelg by 105 points only a few weeks ago. Oh. While are you going to go out on a limb and say Norwood can win this? I do think they definitely can win this. Yep. Okay, we, we're going to record that and we're going to play that next week because you could be the Oracle. Uh, <laughs> men's good luck on the weekend. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday. Don't forget to listen to SENSA if you want all the coverage of the host plus Sandful League. Fierce rivalries, nothing beats it. Dan, we'll catch you next week. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys.